verses yesterday. Now is the time you've got a purpose in your heart that, you will, that you're going to listen. You'll be attentive and let God have his way with your heart. So if you're praying, Lord, please speak to me for what I need. And uh, anyhow, Pastor Bird, you come. All right, let's open up the scriptures to um, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. I'm sure that your pastor's preached on this text of Scripture. Um, I would have to say I would like to think many times, and uh, this would be nothing new to you. It's just going to be a time to encourage you tonight. That's, the, that's my goal tonight is to encourage you. For you guys to come out on a, a Monday night, you know, uh, coming through the weekend, you know, you didn't had, uh, had uh, church services, the men's meeting on Saturday, and then you had to work and all of that, and then you come in here to, to hear the Word of God, and I know the flesh, I, I got one, you know, just in case you guys didn't know, I got a flesh too, all right. <laughs> I won't get rid of my flesh until my change come, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a few moments. But I want to commend you for coming out tonight. Uh, thank you again, Pastor McGovern, for inviting us to come up. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure and it's a privilege to, to stand behind the sacred desk. And I, I know that you guard this desk, and you need to, uh, as we'll be seeing here in a few moments. And I know you just don't want anyone uh, up here. And I do know something else about your preacher. <laughs> if you mess up, he'll let you know. If you need correction, he'll let you know. He'll, hey, he'll do it in love, but he, he's going to let you know. And I love that about him. I do. I, I love that about him. But First Corinthians chapter uh, 15, and we want to look at verse uh, 58. And let's, let's honor God's word tonight. And let's, let's stand as we read our scripture text tonight. I, I, I love to, to honor God's word. God said he has magnified his word above his own name. Did you get that? Yes, sir. He has magnified his word above his name. And his name is to be hallowed. And I think folks have lost a respect for the word of God. I do, I do my dead level best not to put anything on top of my Bible. Amen. Amen. Man, uh, nothing trumps the Bible. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'll, I'll be looking for a place to set it. I don't like just setting it on the floor. I just, you know, I just don't... I, <laughs> You know, uh, I, the Word of God is precious to me. 7,000 languages don't have the Word of God in their language. 7,000! We ought to be praying that God would raise up some translators to translate the Word of God in those languages. 7,000 languages that don't know the name Jesus. That don't know about heaven. And boy, we have it in this good old King James Bible. And we thank the good Lord for it. And I thank you for honoring God's word by standing. And if you're not able to stand, you stand in your heart. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 18. Excuse me, verse 58. Scripture says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Tonight's message is, Christians, stay put. Don't be moved. We'll look at Paul's admonition 
And his reasoning behind that admonition we'll see in this text of Scripture. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the people of God here that loves you, loves your word, loves your people, Lord God. Thank you for them being willing to come out on a Monday night to hear preaching from the word of God. And Lord, I pray that you will minister to your people tonight. Lord, especially for those who have been laboring for a long time. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, for this church. Lord, they celebrated 30 Three years of your faithfulness to sustain this church. And Lord, they're still at it. And I thank you for that. I thank you for my dear brother and sister, Lord, as they've been laboring for you, Lord. Lord, just being obedient unto you, Lord, taking their lumps like every other good Christian. And Lord, still continuing on. I pray, Lord God, you continue to strengthen them and give them all that they need, Lord, to continue to stand. I pray for this church, Lord God, that this church will continue to stand for you, Lord God, that they'll be unmovable. That there be always abounding in the work of the Lord. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I want to say tonight that tough times are coming. We've gone through some tough times. When we started 2020, <laughs> I came up with a lot of other churches. They came up with the same type of, of uh, play on words, you know, 2020 vision. Man, we're going to have this, this is going to be our year of 2020 vision. And then got blindsided with COVID. <laughs> Go figure. Man, I've been preaching this countdown. I've been talking about this countdown to the year 2030. And at that time, the count was 10 years from now. And I'm, you know, I'm preaching, I'm preaching the return of Christ may be, you know, where it is imminent and, and, and it could be in my lifetime. And, you know, and there's a part of me that want to believe that. And then there's a part of me that says, man, that's too good to be true, you know, but it could happen, you know. And I remember uh, we had the COVID lockdown. And I tell you what, I was one sick puppy at, during that time, not sick of COVID. But the way they were handling it and all that sort of stuff there. And man, in North Carolina, we have a liberal, well, I don't want to get into politics, but boy, I, I didn't like the way he did some things. And it seemed like they wanted to penalize churches. And I remember them locking down, everybody got, don't, you know, two weeks, we're going to flatten the curve. <laughs> Everybody bought into that junk. <laughs> two weeks was going to flatten the curve. And man, that two weeks turned, turned into two years, man. We still hadn't flattened no curve. You know. And I remember, you know, man, I tell you what, Charlotte, two million people, and the highways were just vacant. And, uh, Man, I can tell you some stories. It's amazing the liquor store was still open, though. Yeah, long lines for that. But they had shut us down, and, and you know we're trying to we're trying to, to, to you know we're trying as much as possible to obey the law and stuff like that. And as a pastor, I don't want to invite folks to come and get sick and stuff like that. You know, I you know I, I did the best I know how, and and so I said, well, church, we we just gonna we're gonna we're gonna. Uh, we're going we're to just cooperate and, and try not to get sick because this thing is pretty bad. And, and I remember, man, we, you know, we had shut down for, for two months. And, and, man, that about killed me. I was sinking deeper into depression. 
had lost my sense of purpose. I was like, man, Lord God, I'm not preaching. I'm not, we're not doing that. We're not, what good am I? And I'm just keeping it real, you know. And then my good friend Jim Payne, man, you and him are so much alike. You talk about some fighting, fighting men. They're like, hey, I don't have enough of this, man. We're meeting. And Jim Payne, he got him a little skeleton crew, and he started meeting, and they, they were holding their services. They were live streaming. And so, man, here it is. I said, well, honey, we can, we can at least get in on Jim Payne's uh, services. So we start watching Jim Payne's services on live stream. And then we were there in our pajamas, in the bed, watching Jim Payne's live stream. And I wasn't prepared no messages because you can't preach to anyone. So I, I'm sitting up there, man. And boy, I didn't hear no voices, no audible, audible voices. But the thoughts flooded my mind. I'm up there in my PJs watching, watching Jim Payne preach. And man, I'm, amen, brother. And then the Lord said to me, I believe it was the Lord. He said, you, you're kind of liking this, aren't you? Not the preaching. You're liking this PJ thing. You're kind, of, you're kind of getting comfortable with this, aren't you? And it scared me because I was getting comfortable, not preparing messages. Let somebody else pre- prepare the messages. And the Lord shook me in that bed. And I told my wife, I said, honey, I don't care what nobody says. Now, we are going to go down to that building. I'm going to preach because I'm essential. Amen. I said, I don't care if nobody ever comes. We're going to get down there and we, and we, 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 uh, we, we started doing some live stream and boy, it was raw. My wife, she was the camera person. And she's worse than me when it comes to technology. So that, she's really bad. She's up there watching me. Then she hit the button. And it turned around looking at her. <laughs> this is live stream. She go up. Oh! She don't like nobody else's attention on her. She don't want no attention and things like that. And, and somebody, somebody was watching live stream. They said, Pat, come back, come back. <laughs> oh, my soul. You're talking about getting out of our comfort zone. And we started doing our little live stream, and it's still raw last <laughs> Easter Sunday, well, Resurrection Sunday. Get that Easter. Resurrection Sunday. Um, <laughs> one, one preacher, he said, uh, he said, all right, that preacher, this is this is Resurrection Sunday. Don't lay no eggs during the, the message. Well, I'm a bird, right? I said, okay, even though I'm a bird, I'm not going to lay no eggs. And guess what I forgot to do? Turn the mic on. <laughs> And the whole mess, and then I'm getting with it, I'm shucking the corn, and no, no sounds coming out. I'm like, well, I laid an egg anyway. <laughs> in terrible times, I mean, just the way our government handled that, and just the way they begin to take away the freedoms and all that sort of stuff, and begin to put that control, I could see, I could see the, the one world government will begin to emerge. And I'm here to tell you, that was some tough times. We were blindsided in 2020. 2022 rolled around, and now we got war going on. Man, every time I think about someone just fighting unprovoked, can you imagine 
your neighbor next door says, I want your land. And I'm going to come and take it. Even if it means killing you. And just the inhumane way they're doing things. I'm, I'm watching on live TV a tank just run across a, a car with someone said it. I said, man, what, what did that person do to you? And we could easily be in a World War III thing. And I said to myself, I said, Christian, are we awake? Are we really, do we have our eyes open? And so I've been counting down, and I'm just saying eight years from now, for a fact, eight years from now would be 2030. And it would mark, we say 2,000 years Christ has left the planet, but this would definitely mark to the year that Christ has left the planet 2,000 years ago. And I'm just saying, as Paul says, it's high time to wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. And I can, I can see tough times coming. And I, I, let me say this. I do not believe for one moment that the church of Jesus Christ is going to have any portion of the seven-year tribulation. I believe that that cannot start until we're raptured out. And I believe the rapture will be the thing that will be the catalyst to start that thing. I believe tough times to come, come in, and I don't know how much we're going to go through before that happens. I, I believe the groundwork is being laid to where they're going to persecute God's people. I believe tougher times are coming, and we need to get ready for it. Amen. There's going to come a time, a great temptation, as Paul says. Let's, let's go over here for a moment, just for a moment. Over there in, in 1 Timothy chapter number 4. First Timothy chapter number four. You know, your preacher and I, we were talking. I, like I said, I love being around him. I could spend all day. Just, just, I know he got other stuff to do, but I'm just saying, I, I could spend all day with him. We could just go and talk, and, and, and he preached a little bit, and I preached a little bit. And, you know, uh, and, and we were just, just talking about how uh, a lot of churches, uh, the emerging churches and churches just, just going under, and they don't even realize they're going under. It's just like the church of Laodicea. I mean, they, they, were, they, were, they were bankrupt and they thought that they had need of nothing. They were naked and they thought they were clothed. They had one perception of themselves and God had a different perception of them. And some of these big mega churches, man, they think they got it going on. And God says, you know something? You're like Sardis. I call it cartoon. Cartoon Christianity. Where you have a name that you live with, but you're dead. You know, cartoons, you can just draw flat characters on a piece of paper. And then you draw it in a little bit, little bit different uh, position on the next paper. And you can have 500 sheets of paper. And then you, take, you just speed up the activity of it. And it gives the, it gives the uh, animation that this thing is moving. But it's, it's not alive. It's dead. And you find a lot of churches, they got a lot of things going on, animation going on. But they're just as dead as they could be. Over there in First Timothy chapter number 4. You see, this, this same apostle who wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he writes here, he says, look, notice what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. 
Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience filled with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which uh, God has created to be received with thanksgiving and them which believe and know the truth. You know, you're finding these big shots falling, man. You're finding their congregations. They still may have the congregation going on, but those big leaders, these big shots are falling by the wayside, and they're taking a bunch of people with them. And there's no telling what we're going to have to go through before Jesus comes and raptures us out of here. And it's sad to say, I think the church has gotten... Pretty much like Lot. So entrenched in Sodom. I think the church now is so entrenched in this world that God's literally going to have to snatch us up out of here. (laughs) Man, I have a whole bunch of stuff to say about when Christ comes and sets up his kingdom. It's going to be totally different. His will will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. And I'm here to tell you there's some carnal Christians today that would not like Jesus Christ to come and rule and reign right now. He says, you're going to have to stop that. And guess what? I'm making you stop. <laughs> we Americans don't like our freedoms to be robbed, but you know something? We're not supposed to use our freedom as an occasion to serve the flesh. But it's sad to say many of God's people do that. Over there... In 2 Timothy chapter 4, let's go there real quick, and we'll, we'll move on back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. You know, I'm preaching to myself. I'm try- hey, I'm trying to get myself pumped up. Okay? I'm trying to get myself pumped up so that when it starts happening, I want to do like Daniel. Dan- Daniel purpose in his heart before they took him down into Babylon. He and his, his, uh, his uh, three friends. Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro. <laughs> Some of that went, whoo! <laughs> Daniel said, you know something? Hey, they're going to try to make us eat the king's meat, and I'm not doing it. What about you? No, I'm not doing it either. They purposed in their heart before they even got down there. Pastor mentioned something about that yesterday. About, hey, you need to go on there and make a determination now. So I'm trying to pump myself up that as these things start coming, that I won't cave in. That I'll be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. In 2 Timothy chapter, um, chapter 4, in my ordination, Pastor Thorne, he preached this message to me and I took it to heart. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke. That is, you express blame straight to the face. And that's what you got right there. And that's what you got right here, too, man. I try to say it in love as much as I can. But you know something? If you need checking, I got to check you. I got to because I'm going I'm to stand before God and give an account. He said, you know, you need to reprove. You need to, re- you need to rebuke. You need to exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for the time. Get this. For the time will come. And I think the time has come. 
For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teacher having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned into fables. But watch down all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Paul says, I'm ready to be offered. Amen. And so we, we, we as God's people must come to the place where when the pressure is placed upon us, that we will not move. That pressure to compromise is always there. Any preacher who's got a heart for God wants to work to, to, to prosper. But we cannot do, we, can't let it, we cannot let it prosper by compromising. Because my thinking is, if I have to use all of these gimmicks to get people to come in, I got to continue to use those gimmicks to keep them. I was doing my uh, graduate work at Liberty. 25 preachers in the class. It's a preacher's class. And man, these big shots walking around by what they're doing in their church. And they, man, one, one church, they, they, this one pastor said, well, we have like a Nickelodeon style service. Where people come in and get slimed. I said, man, I have none of that. No, come on. When you come to the house of the Lord, it ought to be unlike any other house that you go into. One, one pastor said, well, there's sometimes we just have, we just have a beach Sunday, and people come in, Brother McGovern, they come in in their bathing suits. What? That's going on. In America, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And we have children here today, so I won't get much, I don't want to get graphic with some of the other stuff that they're doing. But I'm just saying that pressure is being applied to God's people. And I'm no different from you. It's, It's coming my way, but I have to make a determination I'm not going there. And this church, by the man of God that God has in this church, thank God for Terry, Terry uh, McGovern and Mary Ann McGovern, because I know this man of God. I've been watching him and just seeing him grow. And he's, like I said, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. God has taken him beyond what he's taken me. And I'm not jealous. I'm happy. Amen. To see a man of God that will stand true to the word of God. You got a good pastor, and pastor, I think you got a good church. I do. A lot of good things going right here. A lot of good things going right here. So what can I bring to you tonight? What I'm bringing to you tonight is this. Let's go back to First, uh, first Corinthians chapter number uh, 15. This is what I'm bringing to you tonight. <laughs> you know, uh, I was preaching with this one, one, uh, one brother. I don't know. Uh, uh, did, did you know Wayman Hubbard? He's from Detroit, Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, well, man, I tell you what. He, you know, he's a good brother. But I, I remember him saying, he said, he said, Pastor, today was a good message. It was a scorcher. 
Are you going to bring some stab tonight? <laughs> All right, so tonight you're getting stab, okay? First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Now, Paul gives this admonition. He says, he says uh, I want you to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Tough times are come, tough times has come and tougher times are coming. I believe it's going to get real bad before we're raptured out of here. I think it's going to get so bad that they're going to be killing Christians. And a lot can happen in eight years. Not setting dates, I'm just counting down to a date. A lot can happen. We've seen a lot happen in the last two years. I think tough times are coming. And I believe the technology is ready for it. Your pastor was showing me something I had never knew, seen before. He showed me this device where you put your palm and your hand on this thing and it, it takes money out of your bank account and all that. Man, just like that, just with, with the palm of the hand. Technology is right for it. I think the world's getting ripe for it. I think it's like the days of, of, of Noah and the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I think things are going to get tougher. And our challenge tonight is not to get weary in well-doing, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Our challenge tonight, listen, I think a lot of things are going right here. I believe, I believe it with all my heart. I, this is a good church. A lot of things is going right here. But the danger is the devil wants to move you. He wants to discourage you. He wants to uh, distract you. He wants to distort things. And he wants to move you from where you are. But God wants you to go on to perfection. Amen. And so, and that's what I told um, my good friend, Brother Jim Payne, up there in, in, in uh, Midland, Michigan. Uh, I told him, I said, I don't want to go back to normal. I want to go on to perfection. Because normal wasn't getting it. Our temptation is to become weary. Our temptation is to become reckless. Our temptation is to become wanderers. We begin to try to drift. Uh, we, we'll, we'll try to drift as close to the world as we can and still be, you know, uh, considered a, a Christian. And the danger that we all face, me included, is that we can become worthless. When the salt has lost its savior, it is good for nothing. One of the saddest things someone could say to any one of us here tonight, that you're good for nothing. I never want that to be said to, uh, about me, especially from God's perspective. So what is Paul saying? He says, first of all, he says, I want you to be steadfast. That is Christian, you draw the line. You draw the line and say, you know something? I done found my place of ministry. I done found my place of service. I'm drawing the line right there. And I'm going to stay put. He said, be you steadfast? He says, uh, uh, Webster says that steadfast means to be fixed. It means to be firmly fixed or established. It says to be steadfast is to be constant. It is to be firm. It is to be resolute. It says it's not to be fickle or wavering. And so many Christians, you'll find them wishy-washy Christian, man. They're just wishy-washy, wishy-washy. God don't want us that way. He wants us fixed, firm. On the truth. Fixed firm on the work of God. And he says, be ye unmovable. That is, you don't let nothing move you from that. 
I don't mean to be unkind. You don't let family move you. You don't let friends move you. You don't let foes move you. You said what? I'm standing steadfast in the Lord, in the work that God called me to. That's what my wife and I are trying to do down there in Charlotte. They're slow going. But God said, Willie, you stay at it. Yes, sir. Amen. I'm going to stay at it. And so he says that you to be unmovable. And then the third admonition is to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. And Paul gives us three reasons as to why we ought to be steadfast. And that's what I'm going to give you tonight. You see, the devil will whisper into the laboring saints' ears that all of what you're doing is not worth it. Brother McGovern, this is probably the first time that I've let you know this. But when you came through on deputation and you was going to Paul Paul New Guinea, we had one senior saint. He's that pragmatic person. You probably even know who I'm talking about. And he sat down and he says, we were talking. He said, partner. He said, I don't, I don't, know, if, I don't know if what he's doing is, is God's will. That, what a waste. Man, with that talent, he can make all of this money and stuff. That's what you're saying. That's where his mind was about making money. Not about seeing souls saved. Not about being in the will of God. It's sad to say you'll find some well-meaning people that say, if you surrender to, to the work of the Lord, you're wasting your life. But I'm here to tell you it's not a waste. When the Lord saved me, I was on my way to become a professional bowler. Yes, sir. John Babbitt had given me this white dot, Columbia ball, had it, had it uh, plugged and redrilled, and he took me from a three-step approach to a four-step approach, and man, I was stroking that ball down, that, that little 10 board, 13 board, 15 board, I, went too, I was too scared to go to the one board, but man, I ripped that thing out there, and I was getting good. Every day at lunchtime, I would rip off four games in an hour, just... Just throwing two balls, strike ball and ten pin, strike ball and ten pin. Didn't make no difference, strike ball and ten pin. And I was averaging a 195 average. And my goal was to reach a 205, bowl at least one perfect game, and boy, I'm going to be the first black bowler to make it big. And to me, I was investing in my future. It cost uh, 25 cents each time you bowl, you shoot a lane, you know, a game. And I would invest a dollar every day. To hone my skills, and I was gonna—I was gonna get out of the Air Force. I was gonna go around and have my family members try to uh, help me get ten thousand dollars up so I can travel on the PBA tour, and that's what I was going to do. Then God saved my soul, and I was in every league you could be in, and one of the leagues was on Wednesday night. They had church on Wednesday night. I'd go to the bowl and my heart would nowhere in that. And John says, Willie, what's wrong? I says, man, can't you get somebody else to bowl in my place? And I remember telling the Lord, Lord, I'll never put anything else in front of your service. And, and the Lord called me from bowling to preaching the word of God. And I do not regret it one bit. I'm saying that all of this labor... 
Brother Wright and your precious wife been in this work and could call others that have been in this work all this long time. You've been here laboring, tired, well, tithing, giving money, giving your, your time and giving your effort. And sometimes when you're doing all of that, that devil will come to you and say, you know something, won't you just let somebody else do it now? God tells us to be faithful unto death. I mean, here it is. The devil said, listen, you have done enough. Why do you do that? You take some of these young people here, beautiful, pretty, and all of that. You know, say, so why don't you go off in Hollywood and, and, and uh, sell yourself? So, no, I'm going to go on missions. No, I'm just, uh, I'm going to be a preacher's wife. I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a, a, a deacon, whatever. I'm going to be whatever the Lord called me to be. I give up all of that. If God, now don't get me wrong. It's nothing wrong with you having a good job and all of that. I'm not preaching out against that. I'm just saying that it is not a waste. It is not a waste to serve God. And let me tell you, this is what Paul says. Number one, three reasons why we need to keep on following Paul's admonition to be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Number one, he tells us that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Your work, Pastor McGovern, Mary Ann, God bless you, all of what you have done, all of what you've gone through, all the trials and tribulations, the, the peaks and the valleys and all that, it has not been in vain. It has not been in vain. Why? Your work in Christ pleases God. Amen. That ought to be enough. That ought to be enough to get God's approval on what you're doing. All this labor and all this stuff that you've been doing. Listen, it's not in vain if it pleases God. Amen. You can't please everybody, but you can please God. Over in Germany, I started the Lighthouse Baptist Church. Young preacher still. And you know, as a pastor, you want to try to please everybody. I, I really do. I don't want nobody mad at me. I want everybody to like me. But the, the sad truth is everybody will not like you. And you can't please everybody. Sometimes you can please nobody. But you can please God. And I remember I was, I was kind of getting discouraged. And, and a man by the name of Ewell Reese came and he preached from Genesis 15 and Genesis 17. And man, that's what I needed. He says, you know, I am, thy, I am thy almighty God. Walk thou before me and be thou perfect. And God gave me that verse of scripture. I said, man, something, if I don't please anybody else, I can please God. And that's enough. That's enough. When you're laboring for the Lord, you please God. That's enough. But it doesn't stop there. Your work in Christ pleases God. You know, in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, he says, whether you eat, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. But I want to let you know this there, too, that your work in Christ not only pleases God, but your work in Christ is for your own good. In Hosea, chapter number 10 and verse 12, he says this. He says, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. My brother, he went on saying that song this evening. He said, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. He said, you know something, when you sow to yourselves in righteousness, guess what you reap? Mercy. And you know what I need? I need a whole heap of mercy. 
When I look back at my life, I was 25 years old before I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I was like your average heathen, man. I was a heathen. And I can look back over the things that I've done as a teenager, the things that I've done as a young man. As, as a man, I tell you what, thank the good Lord that if while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Man, I look back at my life and I said, oh, Lord God, I, I thought I was all right, but boy, I was a big sinner. The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. I got a hold of that principle. I go, oh boy. All of this stuff that I've sown in the past. Oh, I don't want to reap all of it. I don't want my family to reap it. I don't want my grandchildren to reap it. You see, see, others reap what you sow. And so here it is. I'm looking at this thing, and, I'm, and my memory's still intact about what I did. And then God gave me this verse of scripture here. He said, well, listen. Do <laughs> you want to change that? Start sowing righteousness. And what? You're reaping mercy. You see, when you serve the Lord, you're helping yourself. You're offsetting that bad harvest that you, we all should get. Now, don't, don't think that you haven't been sowing some stuff, man. You've been sowing stuff not even knowing it. Let me show you how you can be sowing some stuff. When you set your phone up to record a message that when someone calls you, it goes ring, 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 ring. And then your, your, your what do they call it, that voice? It's, a, it's voicemail, is that what it's called? It picks up and goes, hello, this is Willie. I'm not here. But if you leave a brief message, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Bye-bye. And I'm sitting up there listening to it. And your children watching. See, <laughs> Dad just lied. He didn't want to answer that phone call. And I'm teaching him to lie because I was right there listening to him. No, 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 I told you not to pick up that phone. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm, I'm saying that sometimes we're sowing, we're sowing things and we don't even realize we're sowing it. And God says, be not deceived. I'm not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that shall also reap. And he goes on to say, listen, when you labor for the Lord, it's not in vain. It pleases God. Uh, your work in Christ is good for your own self. You sow to yourself in righteousness and reaping mercy. And I don't know about you, but I had 25 years of sowing all sorts of stuff. And thank the good Lord, now I've been saved longer than I was lost. But that stuff still could come to harvest. So I can't afford, <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot afford not to so righteousness. And I want to say that your work in Christ will be rewarded, for God is not unrighteous to forget your labor in the Lord. Turn to Hebrews chapter number 6. You know, all of that stuff that you've done for Christ, all those things that you've done for the brethren, sometimes they don't show appreciation for it. But God says, you know something, I don't forget it. Others may forget it. In Hebrews chapter number 6. In verse 10. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10, the Bible says this. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed towards his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. 
Pastors know pastors. Pastors' wives know pastors' wives. Some of the things you may not ever get to know because you'll never be a pastor or a pastor's wife. But Pastor McGovern, some of the people I've poured my life into. I'm talking about getting calls at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm talking about being there. I'm talking about investing time. Just like Paul invested time at Corinth. Some of those very same people that I've invested time in turn around and bite me bad. They're not appreciative. They forget that they were in the office. I was counseling them, giving them the word of God. And there's a temptation to get bitter when that stuff happens. But God says, Willie, 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 listen. If you've done it for me, you've done it towards me. Listen, I haven't forgotten that. I haven't forgotten that. My good friend, Jim Payne. He was pastoring a church up in, in uh, Minnesota. And boy, the, I could weep right now how they were treating him. He called me. He went, he went belly and he was just telling me. I said, I said, I said brother, how are you doing? He said, well, I just finished from my second job. I said, well, I thought you were pastoring. Yeah, I'm pastoring. I said, well, what second job do you have? He said, I'm working at this turkey farm. He says, he says, Willie, the stench that's there. The stench. He says, one of my members came in and said, laughed at him and said, God keeping you humble. And that's my best friend, man. I tell you what, I got highly upset. My righteous indignation swole up in me. And I heard, I didn't want to hear, I just talked to him and said, God's going to move him. And it wasn't long that God moved him. And he's been pastoring this other church for 30 years and they love him and then treat him right. God won't forget it. What I'm saying, God won't forget all your labor. He's not unrighteous like men. He says, men will forget it, but I won't. And what I'm saying to you tonight, if you're serving God, and some of you, your faith, you've been just going at it, going at it, going at it, God will, he won't forget it. He will not forget your labor. You've ministered to the saints and still are ministering. Miss, God bless you, brother. You keep on at it. God won't forget it. People may, but God won't. So your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's, it's not in vain in the Lord because it pleases God. It's not in vain in the Lord because it's for your own good. It's not uh, in vain in the Lord because you will be rewarded. God won't forget it. But then I want to say this here too, that when you labor in the work of the Lord, your work of Christ benefits other people. There are people that get saved because you're working and laboring. Amen. We got saved because somebody was working and laboring. Amen. And I'm here to tell you, all this stuff that you're doing, those balloons that you let go, uh, and, and, and all this labor, and all the door knocking, and all the witnessing, and passing out tracts, and showing yourself friendly, and just trying to love on people, it blesses other people, and people will get saved. So, listen, be you steadfast, unmovable, always ab- uh, um, abounding in the work of the Lord, for your labor is not in vain in the Lord. But that's another reason why we should not be moved, why we should be steadfast. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 57. Man, this is, you want, you want to get a happy pill? Get your happy pill from this, this text of scripture. 
First Corinthians chapter 15, we'll start at verse uh, 51. You see, our labor is not in vain in the Lord. And why we need to keep on keeping on because we have victory over death and the grave. Notice here, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, he says this, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Amen. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must uh, put on immortality. So when this corruptible have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then we see why the therefore is therefore. Therefore, my beloved brethren. Therefore, why? Because we shall not all sleep, but we're all going to be changed. What's going to be changed? Well, Philippians 3 and verse 21 says, God, when he comes, he's going to change our vile bodies to be fashioned like unto his glorious body. You know, if you're young and you're in good health, you don't have an understanding of what I'm about to talk about now. But you keep living. You just keep living. You know, Paul talks about in this tabernacle we've grown. You had not grown yet. But when you get old enough, you're grown. You get old enough, you'll start having a conversation with yourself. There'll be times that my wife, she'll be in one room, and I'll be in another room, and she'll hear me talking to myself. She said, Willie, who are you talking to? I said, I was just talking to myself. She said, well, what were you saying? I was saying, oh, okay. She said, well, what were you doing? I said, putting on my socks. I'm telling you. I'm like, oh, okay, you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> uh, okay. <sighs> Man, <laughs> tying your shoes become a major feat. <laughs> Man, this body, I have never thought I'd feel the way I feel about this body. My body hurts all the time. Sometimes it just works, it just hurts worse than others. But it hurts all the time. I can't remember a day when my body had, I, I just don't have no memory now, man. It's like, oh, boy. Son, go look in the mirror. Oh, man, please. <laughs> I'm going to lose some weight. And I do. I just keep finding it. <laughs> when I find it, it has friends. <laughs> We have victory, victory over death. He says, listen, will it one day, one day, I'm going to change your body. And when I change your body, it's going to be fashioned like into his glorious body. All the aches and pains, all the things we go through. With physical suffering. 
I hate to see God's people suffer physically. I wished I had the gift of healing. I'd go in and I'd clean out the hospitals, man. I'd heal folks. Amen. I would just go on and just heal people just all the time. But I don't have that. But God says, I got a cure to that. I'm going to give you a new and improved body. This body is going to be unlike the body we have now. The body we have now is called a terrestrial body. Notice what Paul says here. Let's back up a few, a few uh, verses. He says, in verse 38, 1 uh, Corinthians 15, verse 38, he says, But God giveth it a body as it pleases him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of uh, fishes, and another of birds. But now he goes on to say, there are also celestial bodies, that is heavenly bodies, and bodies terrestrial, that is earthly bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There's one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star different from another star in glory. So also, woohoo! So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man... Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. He goes on to say, verse 47, the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from, a, from a heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And, is, and, is, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. Verse 49, you might want to underline it. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. We're going to get a body that can survive space. You know, there, there's been a lot of talk about the UFOs. Do I believe in UFOs? I, yeah, I believe there's some angels out there traveling on something. I think if man sees them, they're just slowing down. I think they can warp in and warp, warp out. If there's wormholes, they can move, move through it and hey, whatever. <laughs> the, 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 the physics says that we could not withstand such G-forces to move like that. But I'm here to tell you, when God gives us that new body, that celestial, beam me up, Scotty. Warp factor nine. We're going to be able to explore the vastness of all of the universe that God's given unto us to explore. I was talking to Mitchell Saturday. I was talking about how, how, how great our God is and, and just our Milky Way galaxy. And there are trillions of galaxies. But just our Milky Way galaxy. <laughs> 
to travel from one side of the Milky Way galaxy all the way to the other side of the Milky Way galaxy would take 100,000 light years. That is traveling at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second. That means you can go around the Earth, spin around the Earth seven times in one second. I can't even move my hand fast enough. Go, one second. Traveling that fast, not for one second, but for 100,000 light years to go from one side of the Milky Way galaxy to the other side. Man, you're talking about an awesome God. And God says, Willie, I got something good for you. I got something in store for you. I'm going to give you that new and improved Willie, and you're going to be able to zoom on out there. Get on out there. And can I say this here? When we get raptured out of here and we get past the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment and all of that, God's going to give us an eternal assignment. You're not going to be up on some clouds eating grapes. Yeah, well, I'm on the clouds eating grapes. Man, God's going to give us an assignment. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know where it's going to be, but I tell you what, I'm going to be there when it happens. I'm talking about we have victory over death. There's a life beyond this life. The mystery is that we shall not all sleep. The mystery is that we shall all be changed. And we're going to have victory over death. We're going to have treasures laid up in heaven. Amen. That faith is not away. And I tell you what, that ought to be reason enough for us to keep on keeping on and to stay put. I don't know about you. This COVID threw me a loop. There was a time and I was just I was just in a bad way. I was just kind of sinking into depression and God woke me up out of that. I, I like to keep it real with myself. I I, I tell my wife in a minute, I said, honey, I'm not in a good place. I'm just not in a good place right now. I'm just not in a good place. I like to keep it real. I hope you keep it real with yourself, too. Because it's keeping it real that you can go to God and get the help that you need. And I said, Lord God, I'm no good for people right now. Lord, help me. And God said, okay, well, I know that. <laughs> There's no newsflash to me. And God begins to help me. So I'm saying that might be some Christian here. You've been laboring for a long time. The danger is you may be tempted to quit. No, you be faithful unto death. You keep on keeping on, you keep on keeping on, you keep on keeping on serving the Lord. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. Amen. Though none go with me, still I will fall. I've made up my mind. I'm going to go to my grave serving the Lord. I may not always be a pastor, but if I had to get out and cut the grass, well, I don't know if I'm going to go. I don't know if they want a, a broken down man cutting the grass. I'm going to do something. Amen. I'm going to do something for my Lord. Amen. I may not always pastor, but I'm going to go to my grave serving my Lord, even if it's just being a prayer warrior. I'm going to serve my Lord. Keep on serving the Lord. Christians, stay put. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God's going to give us a new body. We may not have to face death. The rapture can happen. 
tonight. I volunteer. Amen, Lord. Somebody's got to be raptured out. I volunteer. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God. Thank you for this church that you've raised up. Lord, thank you how you've sustained it. And Lord, thank you for my dear preacher, Lord God. He could easily be my pastor. Thank you for he and his precious wife and their faithfulness. Lord, thank you for the uh, faithful warriors that's come alongside him. Lord, I know that this ministry doesn't go uh, without other people helping him. Lord, I thank you for the help that you've given them. And Lord, I pray that you reward them in ways that uh, we as human beings can't reward them, Lord God. Thank you for the precious promises of the word of God. Help us to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because we know it's not in vain in the Lord. Lord, I pray that, Lord, tonight you just minister to the laboring saint. And, Lord, I pray that you give them the joy that they need. Lord, give them the courage to face another day. Lord, give them the strength to do it. And, Lord, give them wisdom as they go forward for you. And we'll thank you for it. It's here about and eyes closed. Pastor, you come. What a great verse for our church anniversary and revival, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, The founding pastor's life verse. Be therefore steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. For the devil likes to attack us. He certainly doesn't want you steadfast. He doesn't want you consistent. He doesn't want you abounding in that. And boy, did he give two things right there to encourage you. One, remember, it's for the Lord. Others will hurt you. Every single one of us in here has a sin nature. You make sure you understand that our labor is for the Lord. He knows. It's not in vain in Him. It isn't. And then to remember, well, if you're getting just caught up in the things of this world, if that's causing you, if it's not the attacks of others and discouragement, maybe it's the attractions of this world. And that's attacking your steadfastness. There was a time when you were on fire, you could see it, you, you, you had that glimpse of life about God, but boy, that seems to have diminished because the, the attractions of this world and life can begin to pull. Put it back in perspective. Eternity's coming. I mean, he's describing just a bit of what's waiting, us, uh, waiting for us with the change in the, the bodies that we're going to have. I can't wait. If I take more than 30 seconds to tie my shoes, I pass out. Don't let the things of this world attack that steadfastness. Remember what it's all about. Remember where we're going. If the Lord spoke to your heart, you come and pray. Father in heaven, bless this invitation. Lord, I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Page 477. If you need to come and pray, you come and pray.
Amen. Amen. If all hearts are clear, we're going to pray and be dismissed. Pastor Bird, thank you. I appreciate that. That certainly was good. And uh, I pray to be faithful. I'll be praying for Brother Greg. He's been, he's been sick now the past three days. He wasn't able to make him a faith, not yesterday.